Live podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey out there, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. I have an incredible guest today, Vanessa Rodriguez of the Feed Your Wild podcast. We're going to talk about the Akashic Records and so much more. I'm super excited she's here. First, though, I just need you to do one thing for me. I ask you to do this every episode. You've probably already done it, but if you haven't yet, please do this. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. If you go there, follow me. It just gets me out to more people, this incredible information, these guests and their stories. It needs to get out there to more people. Spotify, follow me on Spotify if you haven't already. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, hit the button that connects us. So you get those notifications and you know what's going on. And lastly, of course, the most important thing, please tell a friend about this podcast. Tell people you know that like these type of conversations. You know who they are. You know what they like. Tell them about this podcast midnightonearth.com. Okay, so now that we have that out of the way, we're about to talk to Vanessa, but first I'm going to read her bio. Vanessa Rodriguez is an intuitive nourishment guide, Akashic soul record reader, functional nutritionist, and host of the Feed Your Wild podcast. Her mission is to put the soul back into medicine-supporting wild-hearted healers Helpers and change makers get to the root causes of their challenges with their health, body, and soul path and awaken their innate healing capacity through reconnection to nature and their own medicine through food, spirit, and love. I said, those are great qualities. Through her work, combining the science and spirituality of food using a functional approach intuitive guidance with Akashic Records, and ancestral nutrition, Vanessa guides her clients through transformative experiences not only within their own health and life, but by sharing their gifts with the world. What a great bio. Vanessa, how are you doing today? Thank you for being on the show. Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. <laughs> how is the weather where you're at? Southern Oregon. I know you're in Southern Oregon right now. How, how is the weather today? It is phenomenal. Oh, it's wow. sunny. I'm looking out my my windows, my glass doors right now, and it's out into the field and the mountains in the background, and it's just a really beautiful, <sighs> sunny, gorgeous day. I feel very blessed. I feel very blessed, too. It's sunny in Portland, which happens like once nice. every 25 <laughs> years or something. So. We're sharing the sun today. We're going to share information with people. This is going to be so amazing. So let's talk about the Akashic Records. So what are the Akashic Records? Yeah, what are they? You know, I feel like <laughs> I'm learning every day. Um, I started my path with the Akashic Records 
it's probably been 10 years now. And at first it was more of a personal journey and learning about what they are and working with them and then working with them in a professional capacity and helping people and then eventually teaching others. And today I can honestly say that like I'm still forever learning. This is such a vast um, point, uh, like we could call it a field of knowledge and understanding that I feel like is ever expanding. So what I say today, I feel like is just like literally a little blip in what the, like the true essence of what the Akashic records are. It's like trying to describe God, right? <laughs> kind of right. Um, yeah. And that's a really great point in that, you know, each person, as you develop your orientation and connection with the Akashic Records, your relationship, which really that's all, that's the point of it is to really build a relationship. Each relationship is different. You know, we're, we're all different lenses. We all have different filters and experiences. So everybody's answer is going to be different. But having said all that, um, I will say that the Akashic Records are mostly considered a, a vast energetic database that holds the vibrational imprints of your soul, your soul's history and purpose in this life. You can think of the Akashic Records as a field. It holds all of the information throughout all timelines. Uh, it's kind of like the ultimate iCloud or, you know, the, or Google or the universe's supercomputer, all of the above. <laughs> and some call it the book of life. You know, you may hear the reference of the book of life in various religious or spiritual texts, but imagine a creative, ever evolving, choose your own adventure kind of book. And there have been quite a few well-known contemporary scientists and philosophers and mystics that have talked about the Akashic Records. And um, so some of them, just off the top of my head, Nikola Tesla, H.P. Uh, Blavatsky, Rudolf Steiner, Alice Bailey. There's a, um, a contemporary philosopher and scientist. His name is Irvin Laszlo, who's been doing a ton of research in the quantum field, who brings a little bit more of a scientific spin to the Akashic Records. And I love he has got a ton of books and he's so prolific. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. But the Akashic Records are not something that's like all of a sudden we discovered it. You know, there's so many ancient cultural texts um, and socio-religious groups that talked openly about this thing that seemed very much like what we know to be the Akashic Records now and claim to have access to them. And this includes uh, East Indians, the Moors, Tibetans, uh, Egyptians, Persians, Greeks. I mean, really, you name it. Um, Christians, Druids, Mayans. And there's sacred texts and manuscripts that tell us the ancient Indian sages of the Himalayas knew that each soul or Atman recorded every moment of its existence in a book. And that if one attuned oneself properly, that you could access that book. Whoa. So uh, there, you know, there's many different ways of looking at this and, and orientations, like I mentioned, but I think there's such a vast history. And what 
I have come to known as the Akashic Records came through a very specific lineage of teachings that I received. And so the way that I access the Akashic Records, which basically means tapping into this field of information, um, is through meditation and sacred prayer. Okay. And building a relationship, right? Like being able to really build a relationship with this and then, um, yeah, and be receptive to receiving information. So that's a little bit about what I understand to be the Akashic <laughs> well, Records. Well, I mean, you think that the universe is all energy, like all matters energy. And, and even before energy, there's even some sort of original substance that the energy is made of. We haven't discovered yet. We don't know what that is, but we can say that everything's made out of energy. So our thoughts, our actions create an energy, right? And then isn't that what the Akashic records are also where the, these energy fields are stored within that field, the energy that we independently create? That's right. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, at least from my understanding. And what's what's interesting, even with the term Akashic Records and Akasha, Akasha, which is Sanskrit, uh, meaning cosmic sky. And when we think about the Akasha, and that is one of one of the elements also ether, it is that invisible energetic space that is taking up space, right? So it's not uh, an empty field. It's a field that's actually filled with uh, a quantum field. So it, it's like, well, it's a unified universal field and it operates in the quantum and perhaps like, you know, beyond what we can even imagine or understand currently. Um, so it's not held in the same sort of like spatial relations that we understand with our minds and with the 3D world that we live in. So there's so much information that can be held in this energetic field. Um, and yeah, so there's there's lots of really interesting things when we look about look at especially the Hindus, the way that they saw Akasha as the cosmic source of all of the elements, including fire, air, water, earth. And so this is said to be sort of like the where our world came from was from these ethers, from Akasha. So from the and, Akasha. Yeah. So you're so really the word Akashic, people just think that that's you know a word in itself, but really it's describing something else. It's the Akasha. So it's the Akashic records, the records of the Akasha, which is the Hindu concept of just everything, this eternal field. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, well, wow. from, you know, my understanding, I think there's a lot more <laughs> to it, but yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So who is storing this info? Who's doing, why is it set up like this? Why is the universe set up in such a way where there is this field that stores this information that we can access? Is it the divine? Like why, what have you learned about why it's set up that way? You know, there's a lot of different viewpoints on this and, you know, I, the way that I connect with it is I feel like everybody has to connect with what feels like their divine truth. And, and that doesn't mean that anybody else is wrong, right? I think that there could be multiple truths that are true at the same time. And uh, one of the things that 
I connect with is that there are guides and keepers of the Akashic Records for the purpose of providing information and healing. Um, the way that I was taught and the way that I have really come to know the Akashic Records as well in my personal work with it is that they're, they're here almost as a support for our remembrance, our journey into memory. And it's kind of like this field of memory that we can tap into that helps us to remember who we are and why we are here and how to heal and all of these things that we can really get off track and begin to feel lost in this life. Right. And so while I don't know, I can't ever, I don't think anybody can ever say the purpose of the creation of the Akashic Records. Um, but what I have experienced is that profound healing through this remembrance process um, is very real and can happen when we connect with uh, information that we can tap into in the Akashic Records in the field. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other variety of lenses that look at the origins of the Akashic Records and where they came from, some really seeing this as like beyond our galaxy, so intergalactic. Um, others see it more in terms of like uh, spiritual and angelic. I think that really the when I tap into the Akashic Records, I feel supported divinely, so very high vibration. I feel led and guided. I feel that I, I have my own personal spirit guides that I work with and um, and also the guides of the Akashic Records. And I feel like everybody can connect with and tap into their own guides to support them in their life. But yeah, so I think everybody needs to answer that for themselves, you know, once they kind of establish a relationship and, and get to know the records. So really there's no historical kind of or religious historical information about some deity or some figure creating the Akashic records. It's just kind of permeated all time and been a part of our universe. It seems like it's woven into the fabric of the universe, the Akashic records themselves. But can you access other people's Akashic records? Yes. So you can access your own and you can access the records of anything that has a vibration. So if you look at it from the animist perspective where everything has vibration, you could read the records of land. You could read the records of pets, animals. You can read the records of your table, <laughs> you oh. know. Um, and of course, you could read the records of other people. And so um, I think one of the things that I have also learned is that you begin to relate to the world around you a little bit differently when you when you become aware of the vast connection that all of life has with you. And of course, the Akashic Records is not the only way to do that, right? Like there are many ways to, um, I mean, you could say like tapping into the field in general or connect one's connection to God and source and, and creator. Um, but the Akashic Records have really taught me that there is so much more beyond 
what my eyes can see and that I can read the records of others with the caveat that um, I have their permission. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. This starts to get interesting when you're saying, well, how can you ask, you know, land for permission? Um, But when we look at, for example, if you're an herbalist and you're working with plants, that's a relationship that happens all the time where you're actually communicating with the plants and asking for permission before harvesting and all of that. So it's like a, it's a different state of being that one needs to get into. And that's why the meditation and attunement is really important because we're dropping into the heart space. And um, the connection to the Akashic Records happens through the crown chakra, but it happens really at the heart space, the heart chakra. And so it is a prerequisite for us to be able to drop into the heart space and the heart field and expand that and be able to connect with others, ourselves, and, um, and everything around us through the heart space. So what about other timelines? Like, can you access the Akashic records of other universes, other timelines, things like that? Yes. So, uh, or even extraterrestrial. I'm sorry. I I forgot to throw that in there or even extraterrestrial. Yeah. Yep. So the Akashic records, um, they originate in divine potential beyond linear time space. So when we tap into the records, it's beyond our understanding of time. And that's why we can tap into so-called past lives, or if you want to say also like interdimensional lives, um, future lives and selves. Um, you can also tap into other worlds. And so when you talk about like intergalactic and, um, and other beings that are interdimensional and not of our earth realm, um, you can, you can absolutely connect with that energy and that information. And, and what's interesting is my, as I work with the Akashic Records, time is a really funny thing, you know, like when clients come to ask me, about specific timing, it's almost always the information that comes through is, uh, it gets complicated because uh, time is a construct that we have here, right? And so when we look at information that is beyond time, it means that we can actually make things happen like through manifestation in in a timeline that seems nearly impossible from you know from the perspective of our brain here in the 3D world so it's just interesting because yes we could look at all these different timelines and we have to be very specific about what is the intention like instead of looking at specific timelines like let's say i want to look at a past life in you know the year like 540 AD or something So instead of asking that kind of specific question, it's more around, I want to tap and connect into the past life or multidimensional life that I have that is most relevant for this XYZ problem that I'm experiencing right now. It's more like problem oriented versus like trying to find a specific person in your previous lives for a specific reason. You're just looking at it as the problem and trying to get the rectification through 
those past lives in the Akashic Record? Well, most people most people tend to come to the Akashic Records or, you know, come to me as clients because they're experiencing challenges. That's not the only reason why. I mean, I go in for research, you know, I just enjoy working with the Akashic Records and learning. So you can just go in literally and have a question, um, have a curiosity and continue to ask questions and be really open to learn. But most people are going to feel a contraction in some way and want to feel a relief or, or are looking for healing in some way. Interesting. Interesting. So it really is just about that healing, right? And the healing can come from their past lives that could come from, like you said, future lives, which is interesting. And that's really the root of why you would tap into the Akashic records. Cause it's not really like an ego based situation where you're going there to harvest data, so to speak. But really, it's just about when you need healing, you have to attune yourself to a certain frequency in order to access that, and then you can do the healing. But if you're not on that frequency, you're not going to be able to access it anyway. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that at this time, I mean, we can say that, you know, the point right now one of the biggest points might be for healing because I think that that's something that is really, really needed in this time. Um, I like to see it more as like remembering ourselves to wholeness because when we are whole, like we, we don't really have the same kind of contraction or pain because you can have a, you know, so-called disease, let's say, but if that was actually chosen for yourself in this path, it, it, it could provide a lot of lessons and, and experiences that you wanted to experience in this lifetime. And it's not to say that like you deserved to receive that or you don't deserve healing. Um, but I think that, you know, one of the things that I like to say, because when people come and they're in search of healing, healing looks different for each person. And healing doesn't necessarily mean curing of any ailment that one might have. So for me, what I've really learned about healing is that it's really more about teaching and remembering ourselves into wholeness. Interesting, really. So it's just about like getting that information so you can almost detach, not detach, but unattach yourself from some of the minuscule things of daily life. Like when you're thinking about those bigger picture perspectives and realizing you're connected with everyone and also having multiple lifetimes and also the fact that we chose this life and all the aspects and people that come with it, all that together can give you that wholeness and allow you to almost like step back from the daily problems. Yeah, I think it brings a different vantage point you know, and we're able to see things and experience, like have an embodied understanding, knowing and experience that shifts our state, literally, um, our energetic state. And, you know, I think then we can really understand and receive teachings and, and learnings in a deeper way. When we're able to do that, we can hold more compassion for ourselves and others. Um, yeah, and I feel like we're just in general as a as a global community right now that's really needed. Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. So you're interacting with the Akashic Records quite a bit because you're doing it with clients. I'm sure you're doing it for yourself and you're 
friends and family, but what are the, some of the deep, profound spiritual messages that have come through about our current timeline and, and where we're going in the near future? Oh gosh, this is such a huge question because <laughs> it it's like there's so many layers that come through and it I just feel like I'm just literally scratching the surface. I I was called about I think it's been 2 years now on my podcast to uh provide monthly readings for the collective. So I tap into the Akashic Records on behalf of those that want to receive like a reading as a collective who tune into my podcast. And then I ask our guides for guidance that specific month. What do we need to know? And what's so interesting is that each month kind of feels like uh, another page of this book that we're writing together about what it is that can be really supportive for us in these times. And what's interesting is, um, let's see, I was a, I was already several months into doing this when then February and March of 2020 came. And in, I think it was February's reading. So it was before the pandemic hit, I received a message about this giant tsunami that was going to hit us. Okay. And, um, and there was a lot in there about how not to be afraid and how to best ride this tsunami, um, that we collectively were going to, you could say be hit by, or, you know, right, have to ride with. And I, I was looking at it more from the perspective of, you know, the collective, the people tuning into the podcast sure. and, you know, maybe some personal tsunamis <laughs> that were happening in their life. And then March came. Ooh, yeah, you figured it out then. <laughs> yeah. And then um, everybody was like, oh, my God, that reading, re- like now I'm looking at it in a totally different frame of mind and understanding. And I think that's also the point of these readings and any information that we're receiving and not just from the Akashic Records, right? It could just be any kind of intuitive guidance that we receive is that there's also context of what's actually happening right now and and what will be happening in the future and being able to navigate what is with these, you know, pearls of wisdom, if we want to call it. So um, if anybody is interested, because I can't like, I I often forget when I do a reading and and then I just sort of forget what I said, which is why it's really great that I've recorded those, those monthly ones. I actually have all of them recorded. You could just look in, they're called um, the monthly Akashic Soul Nourishment Readings. And those probably two years worth of monthly readings. Yeah. And so you can read them. And while they're meant for that specific month, or they're like asked about that specific month, they're really across all time. Because as we had mentioned, Akashic Records, it doesn't exist within this, you know, our time space continuum. So they can be, you can read through them, listen to them, and uh, apply them to what's happening in your life right now, you know, but essentially, like if I were to kind of just gather the essence of, of the messages that I've been receiving about these particular transformational times, 
is that um, I would say one of the biggest lessons is getting back connected to nature so, and remembering that we are nature. Right. So that's that's one of the thing, the biggest messages. And like that comes in a, in a variety of ways is like because there has been there's been this great forgetting that we are nature, which has been part of the disconnection from Mother Earth and why we're able to do so many things, the things that we do. You know, if we truly felt connected and remembered that we are nature, that we're not separate or, you know, we're not disconnected from Mama Earth, then we wouldn't be able to do so many of the atrocities that we currently are doing. Yeah. And we wouldn't perceive it as over there, which we often do. Yeah. Yeah. And with one another as well, right? Like we're able to um, just commit so many horrible things with, with one another because of our perceived otherness. One of the things that I have learned with the Akashic Records is um, like, honestly, every client that I have in some way, I fall in love with them when I'm doing their (laughs) reading. I am not even kidding because, and it's been so humbling because I, I'm able to see, almost see them for who they are and see myself for who I am and that we're not separate and that they're a reflection of myself. And so it's a constant reminder and it's just really, really beautiful because, um, yeah, you're able to see the, the connection amidst the differences and how, and how really wonderful that could be. Yeah. I mean, we all are connected and when we're in love, I mean, I think that that's the world that we're going to is, is humans being in love with each other again and in touch with nature again. And that's going to be the new earth, heaven on earth scenario that seems to be coming. It's just, we're kind of in a, in a building process right now, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting. Yeah. One thing I wanted to point out, it's like you were saying humans have created this world. And it has society, it has religion, it has politics, culture. And they put this world on top of a world that was already there, that already had its own paradigm, that was already set up. It was the divine paradigm. It's the universal paradigm. It's how the universe works. But we created this thing, put it on top of the earth, and then forgot that we did that. And that's the weirdest thing. It's really strange if you think about it, but that's where humans are at right now. It's kind of like a matrix. It's like we're in a matrix Mm -hmm. like the movies, but it's not an AI generated matrix. It's a matrix that we created as humans and projected onto the earth. And then we live in it and it allows us to do the things like Vanessa said, deforestation and abuse of the earth, misuse of resources. And then of course the, abusing and misusing our fellow humans. Isn't that interesting that we had that ability to create a world and we put it on top of, of the earth that was already there. And that's one of the things that is also a consistent message that comes through is the power of our mind in terms of our beliefs and our thoughts to create reality. And so being incredibly, uh, aware and perceptive around 
our beliefs and thoughts and doing the digging, you know, because we got a lot of beliefs that we don't even realize we have, but it's creating our reality in every moment. And so that's one one of the other big messages that I that very often comes in is just a reminder to pay attention and to look at the world around you. And if you want to make changes in your life, then you need to really do some deep digging within the self to see, you know, what's going on internally that could also be contributing to the reality that's been created. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because there's two things that I noticed that you're really helping people understand. And that's the Akashic records, but also besides that is helping people get unstuck and then a healthy conscious diet. So I'd like to talk about those things a little bit. Let's talk about getting unstuck. So what does it mean for people to be unstuck? You know, I use the term unstuck because that's something that I have experienced. I have definitely felt stuckness in my own life. And it's almost like there wasn't, I didn't have other words to describe it. I hear it from clients all the time and listeners, like I just feel stuck or in a rut. And it's something that we can't necessarily quite put our finger on. Like, why are we here? Why aren't things changing? Um, And and not because of that, not fully understanding where the source of change or the solution might lie. And so I use that language because like that's literally how I felt, but what I also hear from others. And the essence of it is that, and this is also something that I have gleaned also from the Akashic records that they sort of give me an understanding of this feeling of stuckness. And it's kind of like we're we're in a perception of reality and the patterns within our own, we could say, like unconscious and subconscious mind and energetic patterns that we hold in our body that are caught in a loop. And when they're caught in a loop, it could mean several different things. One of the things that I have seen is that it wants to be fixed. <laughs> like there's something there that actually wants to be healed or fixed and or, you know, like transmuted and and changed. Like I don't actually believe anything needs to be fixed. I think it's more around like transmutation or or healing. But that's one of the things like if you're, for example, stuck, feeling stuck in a relationship pattern or you're feeling stuck in um, lacking financial abundance or you're feeling stuck in your job and you're not seeing any movement or any like opportunities happening, that's an invitation or of course, health, which is one of the main things that I help support clients with, like definitely feeling stuck in terms of like having a chronic disease or a health challenge. It's there's something deeper that wants attention, that wants to be looked at, that there might be a pattern there that wants to be detangled, so to speak. And that can take, you know, a lot of commitment to say, okay, I'm going to like stick with this and I'm going to go deep. That takes a lot of courage for many people, you know, to really get honest with yourself and to be okay with looking into the deep waters of the self, which, you know, sometimes is not fun. And, 
And then it also takes, I would say, uh, like perseverance or hope. Like there's there's a certain level of belief, like believing that you can break through to the other side that is required in order for you to actually be able to do so. And I also am a huge believer that we are not meant to do this alone. We have helpers in around us in our like 3D earth world, but also in the unseen realms. We have guides um, for, you know, depending on your lineage or spiritual orientation, you might feel like you have angels, you have uh, animal spirits, you have fairies, right? Like whatever your orientation is, I, I encourage you, if you are feeling stuck, like call upon all your helpers, your well ancestors. Oh, my gosh, I feel that's one of the biggest things that I have seen is the ancestors because we have we all have ancestors, obviously. And we have some ancestors that like they're also they're carrying wounds as well. But then we have our well ancestors that have a level of you could say like spiritual energetic capacity to really support us in making changes in our lives. And they really want to help us. And they've made themselves loud and clear for many of my clients, like they'll come through in readings. And so they are here and available, but it's almost like we have to open ourselves up and ask for their help and be consistent with it and have faith um, because it might not be an overnight job. But I know I kind of went on and on with that one little question. No, no, it's great. I don't even know if I answered it. You actually did. And you brought up even more questions, but really, so getting unstuck is about shifting your frequency to a higher vibration. And in order to do that, you have to dig deep into your previous energetic patterns, whether they're paradigms or what, things that they were taught by other people you don't even realize, but you have to raise your frequency in order to get that out. And then that's where the stickiness lies. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a way to, to experience it. And, you know, I think that for each person, they might have different language around it, but that's kind of the core essence of it is like allowing yourself to, be okay with going deep into what is like currently what is what is real what's happening what is causing the stuckness and to remember to to allow yourself to to go to that higher vibrational space and that you can utilize the help of others as well to yeah, be able like to your do ancestors that. like you were saying the ancestors and i think that that's a western culture thing because you think about native cultures and eastern religions they're very much embracing their ancestors and realizing that those spirits that Mm -hmm. have passed on are in the other dimension willing to help us if we just ask. But in Western culture, that has been kind of tuned out. But it seems like collectively, at least in uh, in the West here, we're reawakening to the ancestors that are there to guide us. And it's kind of funny to think from a Western American perspective, because we have listeners all over the world, but from a Western American perspective, you know, to think that your grandma might be just like over there in another dimension waiting to help you out going, Oh yeah, I'm here to help you. Whatever you need, son. You know, like that's really funny and interesting from, from our standpoint, but from a rep for the rest of the world, that's something that's been a big part of their traditions and cultures for a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, a big part of the like the forgetting 
especially in the West. Right. There's just so much that's been forgotten that we're we're just starting to remember. You know, we're kind of like the the young ones in that sense in terms of our connection to the unseen realms. But there is something that was gained, you could say, from the detachment because it wouldn't have happened if if it, there wasn't something to be gained. There's something that we gained, we learned from being away in a different mind, in a different world. But now we have to come back and reorient ourselves, heal ourselves, each other, and the world, and then also have that new information of technology or whatever we gained from detaching from nature. Yeah, that's one perspective too. And I think, you know, there's, again, like I just hear from so many different people, so many different viewpoints and uh, and what they believe is is actually going on that I can honestly say I have no idea. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I do my homework, I connect, you know, with the, the Akashic records. I have my own um like spiritual practice and I try to really bring that into my 3D world, right? Because that's the point. Like we're here living um on earth in this earth school. And so bridging, bridging that gap. Cause sometimes, you know, we, it's very common, I think nowadays to see sort of the bypassing thing happen. Yeah. What's up um, with that? I keep hearing people talk about this concept of bypassing where they're jumping ahead. Some people even say using things like ayahuasca and they're getting all this information and they're not able to process it correctly. Is that what you're talking about? Cause it keeps coming up. I guess there's a lot of different ways to bypass, you know, you don't necessarily need a plant spirit medicine or psychedelic experience or spiritual awakening. Um, there's a lot of different ways to bypass. So I guess the way that I'm looking at bypassing is uh, connecting yourself to something that might be higher or like a, an understanding that takes you out of your embodied experience, like uh, oh, so absolves okay. you from actually applying it into your real life, which, yeah, if you're, if you get, um, if you're communing with ayahuasca and you receive all these downloads and you can't necessarily integrate it and apply it to your life, then I think there's something amiss. Yeah, I think, okay, so there's two different types of bypassing we're talking about here because it's been brought up by other guests. It seems to be a current trend in our community, the spiritual conscious thinkers that are just out there, um, that people are jumping into these high-potency psychedelic experiences without any real development beforehand, as you need. Mm -hmm. And then they have mm -hmm. these, like, you know, earth-shattering experiences, but they don't have anything to give it context or bounce off of. But what you're talking about with your version of the bypass is that you can connect with the divine outside of the ego embodiment, just like just soul connecting with the divine. Yeah. You know, and like one of the common things that we might see, especially in social media and stuff is like love and lighting things away, you know, kind of just saying like, I feel fully connected. I'm totally in this love vibration and I see all beings as equal and et cetera, et cetera, which is a beautiful thing. But then we we have to ground that into the like the experience that we're having in our lives. So very often I'll see people who 
you know, they're expressing those things, but then are they actually a good partner? You know, like, are they bringing that love and light and, and making it into real, um, actionable, relatable, um, forms of being in, in their lived experience? Like sometimes that doesn't happen. And I would say that that's a form of bypassing too. Oh, wow. So really it's, uh, it could be, it's multifaceted. It could be all different. It's all over the place. It could be all these different things. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Right. Wow. So really interesting talking to you. This has been such a really fruitful conversation, but I want to talk to you about something that you brought up the diet stuff and the conscious diet situation. I feel like high vibrational people, spiritual people, they need to be on a specific diet almost. Like there's certain things that they, not that they need to be on a specific diet, but it's almost like there's certain things that they shouldn't eat because it, really messes with their energetics because once you become a sensitive being, when you activate that part of yourself, then you're affected more by chemicals and foods and other toxins in the environment. What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, and I'm actually thinking of putting together a, a podcast episode on, um, on like diet dogma and, and all this stuff. Yeah. People tune in because, Sorry. Oh, I was just telling the audience, please tune into that episode when it drops. Feed your wild podcast. Yeah. I, you know, I keep <laughs> saying I'm going to do it every year and I haven't done it yet because I, th I think there's just more information waiting. So, but uh, I'll share sort of my beliefs around it, which is that first, everybody, everybody is different in their design. And so, you know, I can't necessarily say, what is good for anybody else, period. Like I have no agency to do that because I'm not your body. Um, what I have seen is patterns and that's what I'll talk about. Okay. So my, um, my professional background is as a functional nutritionist, a clinical nutritionist. And I have done that for many years. So I've worked with with a lot of different people on a lot of different things with a ton of different diets. I also have my own experience literally trying every single diet except for maybe like the carnivore diet, which I just can't bring myself to do. <laughs> right. Just It's like all um, meat, right? That one's the all meat one. Yeah. It's like mostly meat and Oof, yeah. um, yeah. And that one is trending, I think a little bit more now lately. But so what I have seen is that with each design, um, for some people, the food may not actually even matter as much really? as like the, the quality of their relationships or, you know, their emotional state and that kind of stuff. Um, really? other, wow. other kinds of so-called food. Like when I talk about food, I, I, my food with big F food is actually anything that we are taking in with our senses because food in essence is information. And that's like the food that you put in your mouth, mouth, that's what it is. It's information for your body that your body extracts and utilizes. Um, and so, and energy of course. And so anything that has energy and information could be considered food for our senses. So that could be 
music, uh, nature, right? Like what's, what are you seeing? What are you smelling? What are you touching? Who's around you? Um, anything that's in our so-called ecology, or I call it our sacred ecology could be considered food if it's to support in your nourishment. And that could be at the body, mind, soul, spirit level. But if we're looking at um, physical food matter that we're putting into our mouth, again, I see some people that like it doesn't actually matter what they eat, but that's a very small percentage of people. I'll be honest, very small percentage. Um, then there are others, like you said, and I would include myself in this camp, that the, if you're highly sensitive or you attune yourself to become more sensitive. So you can do that through spiritual work or um, like detoxification and cleaning up your body, your ecology, your environment. Then, yes, you can become even more sensitive to some of the things that are not so natural right. and supportive or nourishing for, for your body. And that's that was my case as a kid. Um, I mean, I ate like shit. <laughs> I don't know if I could swear <laughs> on this podcast. I'm yes, sorry. you can. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I ate like shit, like a lot of kids, like, of you course. know, eating Fast junk food. here and there. And, you know, my parents did the best they could. My mom also home cooked, but like, you know, half of it was like then eating out pizza and, and processed foods and chips and, you know, cookies and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, I was also, I had a lot of health challenges as a kid and I had chronic insomnia and I had chronic acid reflux and I had IBS and I had asthma and I had skin issues and I had all this stuff going on and we couldn't figure out why we thought it was my genetic fate. But when I got into college, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was the first time that I, I was like, whoa, I looked, it was like looking into my future mirror because my mom and I um, were very similar physiologically. And I was like, oh my God, like, is this my fate? Because she keeps saying that I have asthma because of her and I have allergies because of her, right? All these things. So I started to do a lot of research and that's how I got into the path of, of nutrition. And that was sort of my first foray into holistic health. And I discovered that I am one of those where food does matter and I'm highly sensitive and I'm not just highly sensitive physically. I'm also highly sensitive emotionally and energetically and spiritually. So I have to be very, very mindful about what I allow into my field and into my body. Yeah. I'm the exact so, same way. Yeah. I'm the exact same way. You are too. Yes. Yeah. Everything you described about yourself, I, I felt like I was listening to my own description. Things like sugar, caffeine. I can't have gluten. I can't do meat. I can do it in like small doses, like fish occasionally. You know, it, I think it really does affect people. Yeah. Well, I definitely have seen that for sure. And I, you know, I don't like to uh, demonize any kind of food or call any food bad. I'm actually a proponent of. Um, a kind of intuitive eating process. Like there's there's a term intuitive eating and, and there's a way of teaching that that has been put out there. Um, and that's not necessarily what I'm referring to or talking about. I just mean like eating intuitively, you know, and that means building a relationship with your body 
and having an understanding like your body's literally telling you what it wants or what's good for it or what's what's not okay and we have to kind of learn it's it's not necessarily like when we're little kids there's this fascinating study that um and I don't have like all the specifics in, in front of me right now, but I think it was done in the 30s and 40s. And it was done in these orphans. They were babies. They once they weaned them off of breastfeeding, then they presented them with like an array, basically a buffet of food. And they allowed the children to choose their own food. And the children would and they would do blood work along with it to check to see, you know, like what's going on with the right, kids. Like if they're healthy. And the kids would literally choose the exact foods that were supportive for them based off of what their body needed. So for example, um, there was a kid who with scurvy and scurvy is a, a severe vitamin C deficiency. Right. And that kid was choosing all the high vitamin C foods that was available, um, especially oranges and orange juice. There was another one that was anemic, so super low iron. And that child, for days on end, would choose liver and orange juice. And uh, vitamin C also helps to enhance the absorption of iron. And liver is a, is a wonderful source of heme, of, like, of iron. And then once that kid was no longer anemic, they no longer reached for the liver. They started to reach for other things. Whoa. So there's this innate ability, and animals do this all the time, right? So there's this innate ability for us to understand and allow our body to tell us what it is that we need without the judgment of food um, that we have created as, you know, a society and adults. But so many of us have lost that. Like it's almost impossible to maintain that as an adult in, at least in Western society. So I think a lot of it, again, is kind of like that, the same thing that I was talking about before. It's a remembrance process. It's clearing out the garbage that is in the way that's sort of disrupting the signals because a lot of things that you had mentioned, like um, the things that I see, GMO, um, processed sugars, food colorings, just like chemicals that are not natural, those hijack our body's ability to create signals for ourselves that says, you know, what's good for us and what's not. Right. And, and then, you know, then there's the whole thing with the microbiome that I won't necessarily get into <laughs> because it's like a whole another conversation and I have a whole program on that. But, um, it, there, there's also like, we're not just human, we're a super organism that also includes other beings like um, bacteria and protozoa and yeast and fungi. So they are also part of our biology and they also communicate with us. And sometimes, you know, that that balance can be disturbed and then that can throw us off kilter as well when it comes to our food and how various foods make us feel. So it could get really complex very quickly, but I think, yes, for most people, it's really beneficial to clear out the so-called junk and the things that are not natural. So you can start to build that connection with your body again and allow your body to tell you what it is that you need at any moment. Well, I think that this really touches on another concept that I've been helping people understand, and we can talk about this, is that your body has a consciousness. It's not just like a vehicle. It's literally almost like a horse or something that you're inside of, your spirit, your consciousness, 
your soul, whatever that is, your Eunice is inside this vehicle. When you're outside of the vehicle, it's still functioning. It has its own consciousness. So when you talked about like the intuitive eating and things like that, it's seems like the body isn't in itself has its own data processing center. That's maybe outside of the brain. It, it's its own being. And people talk about, you know, mind, body, and spirit consciousness. Well, the body consciousness is the fact that the body is an independent living organism that you are in a sense possessing. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that. And a lot of the impulses and drives and desires that people think come from themselves and their weakness or their addiction or just literally from themselves is really coming from their physical body's own consciousness and what it wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that I agree with you and uh, that our, like the essence of ourselves, you could say spirit, um, you know, energy is woven in with our body consciousness as well. Um, And so because one of the things that I see is how our body can shift from a shift in our spiritual self growth understanding or like energy wise. Like there's a health reflection when you make a spiritual development, you become a better person, shift your frequency. There's a physical reaction, a response. Yes, there's a definite connection. And, uh, but I would say that it's absolutely supportive to, to, to see and believe that your body has that intelligence that you're talking about that must be considered. And I think so many of us ignore our body consciousness and that gets us into a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think it's some people have a really hard time telling their body. No, like, no, you can't have that thing that you want. That's unhealthy and potentially even toxic. You want the effects, you want the endorphins, you want the dopamine, the rush, whatever it happens to be. But sometimes you have to tell your body no, right? Yeah, well, that's another <laughs> great point. And that's another great point in that we don't always know. So what I have seen, especially when it comes to, like, for example, addiction, uh, food addictions and other types of addictions your body will tell you that you want something that is not necessarily the best for you there, but there was something that led to that, right? It's not like that was the innate way that like your body was operating originally. There was something that triggered that pattern. And so it could be really, really challenging and confusing when you're like, I can't trust my body because my body is telling me I want X, Y, Z and all of that is crap and bad for me. And I know it makes me feel bad. So then that's when you have to build a partnership with your body and to begin to slowly build in trust while like you had just outlined, maintaining um, that sort of autonomous uh connection where when you know something is not going to be good for you, but your body's telling you that you want it, 
then that's good information. Like that's, you need to lean in to why, why is your body asking for that? Like keep asking, why does your body want that? And sometimes, you know, the answer will lead to, I don't know, maybe there's like a self-sabotaging, self-destructive pattern, or maybe sometimes it's, it's looking for love. Or maybe it's asking for a little bit of sweetness in your life or a connection and starting to look at where is that missing in my experience? You know, like, so I think that there's still that intelligence. It's just we we need to work with it a little bit differently. Not necessarily just beat back the horse, but try to figure out, <laughs> right. or try to figure out why it's uh, asking for these things and maybe it could lead to some sort of uh, discovery of a deficiency or some other emotional thing. Cause a lot of people do use yeah. food for like uh, sedation for coping, like a coping mechanism, you know, because of the world's yeah. so stressful, especially right now people are having emotional struggles. So they're turning to food, not as a medicine, <laughs> not as a good kind of medicine, but the kind that sedates you mm -hmm. and uh, kind of gives you some sort of relief from suffering. But there's other ways that you can get relief from suffering. You don't need to overindulge in food, right? Yeah. You know, I think that's where maybe working with someone to help assist you, because it could be kind of challenging to do it. And not that it's impossible by any means, but it could be challenging to do it on your own. So, you know, working with someone who like is a, a trusted person, person in your life or a practitioner to help like navigate and, and help guide you through some of that, because it could get really confusing when, you know, you're getting mixed signals from your body and your brain. Right. It's always good to have that mentor, that help from somebody experienced. And like you said earlier in the podcast, it's no, nobody can do it alone. We're meant to work together and, and find people that have other talents and resources and and maybe you can assist them in other ways too. So it's just really interesting how that is. But I meant to ask you earlier, what are some of the foods and, and things that you avoid personally? Well, um, it's changed over time. So, you know, over the years, it, it looks a little different depending on what I got going on. Uh, so for a period, like in my... I would say the majority of my 20s, I stayed away from, well, prior to that, I cleared out all non-natural um, foods as much as possible. So anything with chemicals foods, in it. Yeah. Anything with chemicals. Um, at most things that you buy in packages, although you could say like now there's avocado wrapped up in packages. It's so, so bizarre. But you know, so things that are just processed, chemical laden, all of that, cut all of that out. Um, that was quite a while ago, like when my mom got sick, I started learning about that. And then the next step for me, after I felt so much better. But then the next step for me at that time was to cut out animal products. So I was vegan. And I did that for a long time and it felt amazing until it didn't. <laughs> and then one day, um, well, it wasn't necessarily one day that did it, but uh, over time, little by little, my body was asking for some animal uh, products again. And, um, you know, that's where it's interesting because I think the dogma thing can come in 
at that time, I I was pretty dogmatic about myself, not necessarily for others. Like, you know, I was always like, you do what you believe in, do what's best for you. But for myself, I kind of uh, attached to the idea that I was not going to do animal products. Um, but then my body disagreed with me. So I had to listen to my body and it felt really good to bring back in, but like really good quality as consciously sourced as possible animal products and not too much. And so then I started to bring those in. So currently, and that, and then I've been that way for years since, um, I don't have a title or like a so-called diet that I follow, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, I don't have any labels, so I really follow what my body wants, but what my body doesn't want is again, I've, I've since then have always stayed away from anything that's really chemical laden or processed foods and all of that. Um, GMO and, uh, I don't, I don't partake in gluten, although, I have once in a while, like if a friend makes a uh, a lovely sourdough with like heirloom wheat or something like that, you know, there's this really awesome bakery that's not far from us. Um, they like they're in the forest and they make like amazing bread, <laughs> you know, they're like so with wild yeasts. And, oh, wow. And it's delicious. But what I and so I'm like, well, you know, and let me try this because it's so consciously made and this and that. It's like really wonderful heirloom wheat. And and even with that, my body's like, okay, this in very small doses, like we cannot do this. (laughs) So, yeah. So it's just about experimenting, too. And then like um, and sometimes I'll go to a restaurant and I'll be like, you know what, if it's like a really good restaurant and I, and I feel like I trust the ingredients and the sourcing, then I'll veer off what my like typical diet might be. And it's totally fine. But I feel like I'm in a place where, um, for myself, like my, the mainstay diet is just like super clean, mostly vegetables and fruits and legumes and some, um, well-sourced animal products and some grains, you know, like I don't have any sort of, uh, dietary label. Well, maybe you should create it. You could call it the high vibrational diet or the high frequency diet, because, uh, I feel like you're a high frequency person. Every single thing that you said has been amazing. So it seems like what you're eating, what you're intuitively eating, like you said, it's different for everybody, but the core stuff, the general stuff I think could be applied to most people. I'm gluten-free and I have been since 2012 and that radically changed my life. So I think I I feel like everybody should be gluten-free. I think that people should not eat wheat because it it not only creates digestive issues, but it actually constricts a blood vessel that goes to the higher functioning parts of our brain because of the protein that's in there. And um, so I think that getting away from that is pretty essential for modern health. But yeah, I mean, really everything that you said could fall into that high frequency, high vibrational diet because when people attune themselves and then they start eating shitty foods, it messes with your personal frequency. 
Like it messes with your energy fields. But if you're eating like Vanessa, you're eating these clean foods, your energy field is bright, it's glowing, it's pushing out, it's interacting with the other fields. You're clearly sending and receiving information. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for your kind words. It's <laughs> very kind of you. Um, and yeah, I do feel a drastic difference when, like, if I were to have a day where I veer off, but I also, the caveat that um, it's also about how you feel about it. You know, like if you carry a lot of guilt, it's going to make it feel a lot shittier. Oh, yeah. Than- there is that energetic attachment, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what I have found is when I've made a decision and I'm on board, my body's like, yeah, babe, let's like go for this, even if it's not typically on the menu and I have it and I enjoy it. And maybe it like, you know, does a little something like give me a little bloating or whatever, but it like passes through energetically very quickly as long as I don't hold on to it with guilt or shame or anything like that. I see that making things a million times worse. (laughs) So that's, you know, it's just interesting to think about that for oneself. Like, and I also don't see it as cheating, you know, like I know everybody has their own way of um, like their own relationship to food that works for them. So I'm not saying that there's any right or wrong way. Uh, But for myself, I don't have cheat days because I don't, I don't, I don't see myself participating in something like cheating. Cause I'm like cheating out of what? Like I'm not, right. there isn't anything that I'm, it's I'm the attitude, like, it's the approach. Yeah. It's how you yeah. see it. And then you're not getting damaged by the negative energy that you're taking on by feeling guilty about it, honestly. Right. Uh, but if I do have something that, you know, does not jive with my body and, uh, and it maybe takes me out like energetically a little bit. Yeah, it'll affect my connection. Um, that's one of the things that, and I, you know, there's so many different spiritual lineages that also talk about this. And I feel like probably one of the most popular ones is like with yoga, yoga is everything. It's not just about the asanas and the movement on the mat, right? So it's it's how how you do everything. And when like my spiritual connection and my intuitive work is impacted by my emotional realm, by my um, patterns in my relationships, in my food patterns, like how I take care of my body or not. So yeah, if I'm not taking care of this vessel, then I definitely see a, a deleterious impact on my intuitive work and my, my energetic work. Well, take note people out there, you know, that are energy sensitive. I know there's so many people that listen that are high frequency, energy sensitive people. These are, this is all really positive information. One thing that I've been steering people like us, energy sensitive people, and really just anybody that wants to pick up their health is iodine as a supplement. I started taking iodine regularly about two, two and a half years ago. And that radically changed my life. I didn't realize that all your hormones are made out of iodine and that your thyroid needs a certain amount of iodine to function correctly every day. And once I got my iodine dialed in and how much I take every day, that, that, that radically shifted my health. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a, well, I just have to say these disclaimers because I'm a health practitioner. Oh, right. Um, and so like not just legally, but also just 
based off of sort of my work and what I've seen with people. Some people need to be careful with iodine. Like, for example, if you have an autoimmune thyroid issue, any kind of autoimmune thyroiditis, you want to make sure you're working with a practitioner so you could check your iodine levels. But in general, I would agree that we're as a as a culture in especially the Western realm, we're pretty deficient. Well, I just noticed that when I got my iodine dialed in and you need a significant amount as a human every day and and your body doesn't store it, it actually depletes it every day. So you actually need a fresh intake. Once I got that dialed in, my psychic intuitive abilities increased tenfold. My manifestation ability increased unbelievably. Maybe it removes some block in me and my health, but Ever since then, I've been a big proponent of iodine for people, especially spiritual, energetic people that are doing the kind of work that we're doing. So we have a little bit of time left. There's a lot that we talked about today. We talked about health, getting unstuck, the Akashic records. Is there anything, I want to ask you a couple more questions before you go, but is there anything that that you think that people should know about the Akashic records that we haven't touched on yet? Well, first I want to say that it doesn't really matter if you're of any particular religion, denomination, spiritual path, or even a total atheist. The Akashic Records are not affiliated with any kind of religious belief, um, and they're totally accessible for anyone who has sincere intentions around receiving guidance and support in this way. It really is all about love, like the purest essence of Akasha is love. And I, the way that I really see and utilize the Akashic Records is in service to love. Like, what does humanity need right now? What do I need as a human? What do others who come to me, what do they say that they need? And then connecting them with the information. They're, the way that I access the Akashic Records um, through the lineage that I learned, it's uh, through a sacred prayer, through meditation and a sacred prayer. But that's not the only way to access the Akashic Records. And mo- most people have accessed them in some way, especially in their dream time, in dreamscape. Uh, others in, in meditation, like when you get to a super high vibrational meditative state and you connect with information and you receive information or you travel and you remember a past life, you know, um, journey work is also connected in with the Akashic Records as well. So there's a lot of different ways to, to access them. And I encourage if anybody's listening And you're like, this sounds really interesting to me, you know, like maybe you feel a little bit of a tingling or you're just getting excited about it. Then I would say that's an invitation for you to start learning more, maybe pick up a book on it, um, start to engage with what the Akashic Records are and build a relationship because there might be more there for you that's calling you. Wow, that's definitely a good uh, cherry on top to leave people wanting more about the Akashic Records. And of course, people can find out more about you at wildlyrooted.com. That's the place where you can connect with Vanessa. You can send her an email. I know that she has workshops. And of course, please, everyone, listen to her podcast, Feed Your Wild. I know that it's on all the platforms, just like this podcast, please everyone go and follow her 
check her out. Her podcast is amazing. And lastly, oh, thank you, <laughs> Vanessa, I have to ask you one more thing. I know that you ask this of all your guests on your podcast. So I have to ask you what feeds your wild. Oh, thank you for asking this. <laughs> yeah, I have so much fun asking other people this, and I don't often think about it for myself anymore. <laughs> so let's see. What's feeding my wild right now? You know, I would say there's a lot that's happening right now where I'm learning from my own body. And my like my body is teaching me so much in just the way that it, it changes and it responds to things. And especially when I'm dancing, dancing is probably the one thing that will forever feed my wild. <laughs> I was like in the womb. Um, so dancing is has fed my wild in so many different ways, but I feel like the way that it's feeding me now is by allowing me to connect with my body, like allow my body to tell me something through dance, you know? So rather than like, I was a dancer for many years, I would do, I would follow choreography and like create choreography, but this time it's like a lot less structured and I'm just putting on music and I'm allowing my body to move me. So that's been really awesome and beautiful. And, and I would say that's what's feeding my wild today. Well, there you go. Well, thank you, Vanessa, so much for being on the show. Please hold on the line through the outro music. And everyone, we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth, y'all. 